Yeah, this actually makes me laugh because I don't understand why people are nervous about approaching influencers because influencers want to be approached. And by doing that, obviously this the growth is in comparison to the amount of followers I already had, but we see around a 30,000 follower increase every single month. We stand today. The Business Method with the Shadow. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars in annual revenue. And now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results, economies, and cultures. There's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this, and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method hey listeners welcome to the business method podcast i'm your host chris reynolds and we are currently interviewing 100 major influencers on our show with my co-host noah Leith to get behind the minds the tools and the methods it takes to build major influence in business and handling it in a positive way today on the show the founder and ceo of Me blends adi arizini is joining us to talk about business and influence adi started this company from her mother's bedroom and has grown Me to a multi-million dollar brand one of the ways she did it was influencer marketing. Currently, Adi and her team work with 1,500 influencers a month and have grown their Instagram up to 954,000 followers. Throughout the interview, Adi shares with us how she grew her following through influencer marketing, how she managed the massive growth, and how her and the TME team manage working with so many influencers. We also chat with her about health today and how her own challenges with gut health and digestion have inspired her to help millions around the world with their own health. It's another great episode, guys, and without further ado, Adi Arizini. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, welcome back to the podcast, and we are welcoming Adi Arizini on the show today. Adi, how are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. And of course, we have the co-host Noah Leith on the show. Noah, how's it going today? Perfect. Amazing from Barcelona. Uh, Dee, where are you calling in from? Clearwater, Florida. Oh, nice. Is that your home base? Yes, that's where our uh, headquarters is. But I actually spend half my time here and half my time in Portland, Oregon, which is where my husband lives across the United States on the other end of the United States. <laughs> well, very cool. So thank you for coming on the show. And we were really excited when we heard that you were interested in coming on the podcast because you've created an incredible amount of success for you and your team and you've done a really good job and something that we're 
we're passionate about is you're you're building brands uh, or brand around the health industry, which is a huge market these days, and and we know it's only going to get we're going to learn more and more and more about it. Um, but we'll probably chat a little bit about you know balancing health and lifestyle throughout the podcast. Um, but maybe that's that's a fun question to start off with. Adi, like being an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, running a, an amazing business, how do you balance? health and work and lifestyle? Mm, that's a good question. Um, the honest answer is that it, it comes in waves. Um, I can't tell you that I'm always fully balanced. Um, I go through weeks that I feel really, really great with my career and with my work and with my health and wellness. But what I can tell you um, specifically regarding exercise, I exercise five to seven times a week and I never miss out on those days. So it's almost like I create a meeting with myself and I wake up at 6.30 every morning and I go to the gym and that is how I start my day. Um, meal prepping really helps me because I'm so busy at the office that preparing my meals on Sundays, again, really helps me keep in a good healthy diet. But there are some weeks where something is going down at work and I'm sleeping five hours a night because I have a lot of my attention on whatever that thing that is blowing up at work. Mm. So it comes in waves. I can't tell you that I'm fully balanced all the time. That's the, that's the honest answer. That they, there could be a month where everything is like unicorns and butterflies and I'm loving it. And there could be a two-week period of time where I get five hours of sleep and I'm like, okay, what's happening? So this, this may be a really another good question. When I'm you know, I'm a, a location independent entrepreneur, Noah and I both. So we're spending a lot of time in different countries around the world. I've been trying to work really hard on, on getting good quality sleep and making sure I wake up properly. But, you know, there are times when we do get five hours of sleep. So I'm, what do you do when you're, when you're, does five hours of sleep, is that sufficient for you? Or are you performing differently throughout the day when you get less sleep as opposed to more sleep? 100%. I think that the difference between five to seven and a half hours is huge. And if I slept five hours, I'm more irritable. I'm not, I'm not working at my highest potential. Um, and I feel like my energy is depleted. Being an entrepreneur takes energy. That's like literally what it is. You're putting energy into everything that you're doing. So you are your own biggest asset. And if your energy is depleted, your work is going to be brushed off or it's going to be at 50% or 70%. However, when I do get those five hours of sleep, I really make sure to take a ton of vitamins and stay very hydrated that day. Oh, yeah. the op people do the opposite. They're like, I didn't get enough sleep. So they drink like three cups of coffee, which is literally <laughs> the opposite of it dehydrates the body. Yes. So when I don't get sleep, I'm like drinking more water than usual. And I'm taking vitamins, B1, chlorella, spirulina, anything that I can add to my body to, um, stabilize it a little bit because the sleep is supposed to stabilize it and I didn't get enough sleep. So that's what I personally do. It doesn't necessarily make my whole day better. I still only got five hours of sleep, but it's my way of being a little bit more responsible for the fact that I didn't get enough sleep. That makes sense. Let's, let's get to know you a little bit better Adi. We want to know, let me give you the microphone for just a couple of minutes and you can kind of tell us uh, briefly about the founder story and how you became the successful entrepreneur that you are today. Sure. So the story 
started when I spontaneously decided to join the Israeli Defense Forces. I had lived in America most of my life. I moved to Florida when I was six years old and didn't know anything about my culture, where I was from. I didn't speak the language. And I finished high school and I had no plans of going to college. Not because it didn't interest me, but because I I grew up in a very low-income family raised by a single mom. And I've been working to support me and my mom since I was nine years old when I got my first job at $2 an hour babysitting. And I worked all throughout high school. And it's always been like, how do I make enough income to like support me and my mom? That's always been at the forefront of my mind. So going to college was, we didn't have enough money. I wasn't even, I, I didn't see how college would help me make income immediately. So it was never even a, a question to go to college. Um, and I finished, I finished high school, started working, and I, I was working at a postcard company making $10, $11 an hour. And I worked there for about a year and a half. And although the company was great, I just felt like I had no passion and no purpose to my life. I have been working since I was nine, and I felt like I was 35 years old with a mortgage and paying rent and doing all of these things that grownups are supposed to be doing, but I'm 19 years old. I should be having fun. And I just didn't have enough fun in my life due to the stressors of my life that I had at the time. So I somehow found out about this program that helps um, Americans join the Israeli Defense Forces. And it's a completely voluntary action. If you live in Israel, it's mandatory, but I didn't live in Israel. So I volunteered. And within six weeks, I moved my entire life to Israel. And I became a fitness instructor for combat soldiers in the artillery unit. And that was my job in the army. And that's, oh, it was, it was amazing. It changed my life. I, I attribute a lot of my success to the, that two-year time period. I learned so much about myself and so much about others and how to be persistent on a given course. Uh, so I moved to Israel, and about a year and a half into my service, I started having really bad digestive issues. The food in the army is not fresh. It's not organic. It's not farm to table. It's just food made for the masses for 3,000 people at my base. And I didn't think that I was eating terribly, but my digestive system just stopped working, which means that I was going to the bathroom like once a week, which is really unhealthy because the purpose of your internal organs is when you put uh, liquids and foods into your body, your body takes the nutrients that it needs for fuel and discards the rest through sweat, pee, and poop. That's how it works. But my body wasn't doing that. It wasn't discarding anything. It was just holding on to all the chemicals and all the toxins that I was consuming. Um, At that point, I became addicted to coffee. So my stomach looked like I was five months pregnant. It was a huge bowling ball, and it was hard as a rock. I couldn't wear anything tight. I couldn't wear really anything other than like workout clothes that were stretchy. Um, And it was painful. And it was, I didn't know what to do. So the only thing that I knew at the time as a 20 year old that could stimulate my digestive system is coffee. So I started drinking like three to five cups of coffee a day. And after a couple of weeks that didn't work either. So that stopped working as well. 
Um, I changed my diet as much as I could within the, the food that I had given to me in the army and didn't help. So I ended up getting a colonic, which is literally where they suck out the toxins from your body and it's not yeah. a pleasurable experience. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's not something that I would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go get a colonic. This is going to be fun. Like, <laughs> it was not fun. And not only was it not fun, it was more of a Band-Aid approach to my symptoms instead of looking at the root cause of the problem. Um, kind of like when you put Advil on a headache. You're just, you're just kind of masking it. You're not trying to resolve why you had the headache in the first place. Um, and that's what, what I ended up doing. I came back to America when I finished my, um, my contract. And I started cooking for myself, which improved my digestion. But it still wasn't fully gone. I was still having really bad digestive issues. Um, And what I ended up doing is I ended up researching and reading a ton of books on gut health. Because I'm like, I'm 21, 22 years old. I should not be having issues with gut health, especially since I'm a personal trainer. I'm supposed to be the epitome of health and wellness. And all of these books were saying in, in different areas of the book, uh, a way to naturally help your digestion is with tea. And they kept talking about this. So I started researching, what is this whole tea thing about? I was not like necessarily a tea drinker at the time. And that's really what got me interested and got me looking. And that's how really I started Teamy Blends. Like the funny thing is that you said about, you know, the, the colonics. I, myself, I do a, a water fast, let's say, uh, twice a year with, with colonics. And it definitely changed my life. And a lot of people, like, are unaware of, of the gut, let's say. Because they, 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 the, the intestines actually are called the second brain. If you look at an embryo, it's first the brain and then, and then the intestines. And then the heart is being made. Uh, do, do you see a lot of... A lot of uh, education that that you have to do, let's say, to your clients and to your uh, to your, let's say, movement. Uh, you see a lot of misunderstanding, or, or definitely, I think that when people hear the word detox, they go blank. They don't know what it means. So we have to do a lot of explanation in our social media to let people know, hey, it's not actually like this big deal. People don't know about the gut because they can't see the gut. It's not that we're walking around with an x-ray machine that can show you what's happening inside of your body. So people just eat whatever they want and don't look internally. They only look at the external like, oh, I need to take care of my skin because I have acne because they can see it. Or they start exercising because they see their body, but they're not, they're not addressing the toxins that are in their internal colon. So that's where we come in to explain it to them in a a simple way that can make sense to them. Regarding your teaching, did you see uh, that your followers changed while you started teaching them? Did Did you see more interaction with them? Yeah, I think that the more that you're genuinely communicating to your followers and you're, you're explaining something to them that is real to you. So I'm really passionate about this topic because it changed my life. And when I tell them about it, they can feel my passion and they can feel that I'm not trying to sell them something. I'm really just trying to explain to them 
what this detox is. And then they can decide for themselves if it's something that they're looking for or not. They might ask questions. They might not be ready to buy. But um, we always try to educate. And I think that we could even be better at it. I don't think that we're necessarily at the top of our game with education, but we're constantly doing it and we're improving it all the time. This is a great, a great question that I'd like to ask, Adi. Um, when it comes to educating your followers and your following, uh, what are some of the best, the, the most important lessons that you've learned? Because we kind of do the same, you know, as podcasters, we're educating our followers as best as possible, bringing awesome people like you on the show and sharing information. But, you know, as an influencer now, what are some of the most important things that you've learned to help really, truly educate your your following? I think um, breaking down something or a topic is really helpful. So if you're just telling someone, you know, do this detox program, here are the benefits. I think that that is a sales pitch in, as opposed to being like, okay, let me tell you guys about this detox program and let me give you the nitty gritty on what happens inside your body. And you give them that data. And then you go to the next step about how this can affect your body and the different symptoms you could have if you had uh, toxins in your body. And then you tell them about the solution, but it has to be genuine. I think that if you are just trying to sell your product all the time or tell people to follow you or tell people to listen to your podcast, it doesn't give them a reason why. And you have to give them the reason first. So I always try to do that as opposed to just telling them the benefits of something. So, so for, can you give us an example of that? Like what would be a reason um, that, you, that you would present talking about your 30-day challenge? Yeah. So let's say I was on my Instagram stories, for example, and I'm trying to relay the communication that toxins accumulate in the body for five to 20 years. So instead of telling the audience, hey guys, you have toxins in your body, you need to get rid of them, here's the product to get rid of them. Instead of that, I'm going to tell them a little bit of backstory. Hey, so in pizza, ice cream, and french fries, all the foods that we all love, and I'm not telling you not to eat them, obviously in moderation because I'm a huge pizza lover, but you accumulate chemicals and toxins in your body. Now let me tell you how that happens. They accumulate in your gut and they form this wall of toxins that just sits there and sits there and sits there. And it doesn't leave the body. It just stays there and gets added more and more to the point where it can be as thick as a car tire, which is really gross. I know. And these, the longer the toxins are in your body, the harder they are. They're, they actually harden. They're not like soft. Have you ever seen like a 60 year old it usually happens with males, a male that has this huge belly, but it's like hard as a rock. It's not blubber. It's not like fat. It's just like this huge protruding belly. That's toxic. That, that's what that is. Oh, no. And they're hard. They're oh. not fat. They're hard. Um, and even if that 60-year-old man was going to start working out on the treadmill, it would take him a lot longer for the body to even realize what's going on because the body at that point is like so asleep and so unaware of what's happening internally because there's so many toxins in the body. So I tell them this and then I tell them about 
my personal experience. The toxins in my body cause me to have super low energy and really bad digestive issues that cause me to have really bad bloating and constipation. It could be different for someone else. Someone could have toxins in their body and it could show up on their skin or it could show up on their energy levels or their metabolism. So everybody's body reacts differently to these toxins. But by doing this program, you're going to be able to address what's happening with you. And I just tell them that. And then they ask questions and we answer those questions. And that's how we do it. And it's a continual uh, education. You just sold me. Where do I buy? (laughs) I have to tell you that there has never been a time when I've talked to someone in real life or over the phone that has asked me about the program that at the end of the conversation was not interested because everybody has this, but nobody talks about it. Yeah. Everybody has these issues, but no one is talking about it. It's, I heard it's called mucoid plague or something like that. So that Come again? Is it called mucoid plague? Like the, 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 what comes in the intestines, like it's kind of, it's kind of uh, membrane comes on, onto the, the walls of your intestines and it diminishes yeah, the absorptions. And... Right. I try to avoid all terminology because uh, then people won't understand it. Yeah, so yeah, I try to keep it as smart. simple as possible um, because no one, like if you had to study human anatomy in high school, you don't remember anything. You don't remember the names of all your bones and all your muscles. You know no. where your legs are. You know where your arms are. So I try to avoid that because I'm not trying to sell to doctors. I'm trying to sell to, yeah. to regular, regular people. So is, do you think that like the simplicity of, of, uh, of explaining things, is that uh, one of your success? Because that, that's actually something that I'm very curious about. For someone to enter a market that, that is so saturated, that's so hard to enter, uh, and that where usually big pharma spend billions of money you know, to, to, to uh, market their products, like, what are like, the things that you um, uh, created or what, that you implemented in your business to achieve such a high amount of following? Uh, that's a two-part question. Um, yes, when I explain things, I try to explain them as simply as possible because, again, we're communicating to regular people and they are not experts in nutrition. My target audience aren't like vegans and doctors and people that already are aware of their health. My target audience are people that maybe have been eating junk food their whole lives or maybe it's a, a mom that just gave birth and is looking for a way to bounce back. Maybe, you know, like it, I'm, I'm talking to really um, regular people. And so I try to explain it as simply as possible. And I see that that has given us the best result because people can digest the information uh, easier that way. And, and I think that that goes for the following question as well. When you're genuine and you're simple, people want to be part of that. I think that the more complicated and overcomplicated that you get in marketing, the more complicated it is to the consumer. You want to explain it in simple terms so that the person gets the message simply. You know, that's, that's something that uh, I've been practicing a lot with our business is like, it's easy because the more experienced you get with 
um, your businesses and your knowledge, the, the, the easier it is to technically describe what is happening, right? And it's almost a process of going back to the third grade communication, which I think is the average, uh, the average American or the average human being has a third grade communicating level, I believe. And that's another reason why Donald Trump appealed to so many people is because he was very good at communicating on the, the third grade level. And he still does that, which pulls people in, you know, so it's very interesting. Um, on the, su- on the subject of moving towards business, uh, Adi, let's talk about managing your business. You know, you're a successful entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Now you, you're running a multimillion dollar brand. Um, you guys have massive social media following. What's it like maintaining the day to day in and out, keeping the company culture, keeping everybody on board? How, how's that process been for you? It's definitely, um, challenging because we have, about 60 staff right now, which is not a small number. Um, and you want to make sure that no matter what department the person is in your company, that they're happy that they're doing well and that they enjoy coming to work every day. I have a huge, um, a huge purpose to make people that work at Teamy happy every day. It's not that I'm only trying to help my customers, but I'm trying to help my staff as well. So it really is about setting a good example. So I try to set the best example that I can for my team. And when other people might say, hire, hire the most fancy people you can find, I didn't have that luxury to just like hire people that cost lots of money that are experienced. I, I didn't raise any capital, so I had to do it all myself. And what I have found is you can invest money in someone's salary or that's really expensive and I didn't have that money or you can find really good people that want to be on board with your mission and want to be on board with the the passionate purpose behind your brand and you can teach them to be incredible people and be incredible employees and executives. And sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. But that's what I have done mostly in my business is really homegrown homegrown teams from the ground up that had no experience in the field whatsoever. And I took what I knew, I put it in a manual and I taught it to someone else. So I wrote a manual about influencer marketing and then I was able to grow a team of now I think it's like 16 influencer managers inside of my own company. So we don't have to use like a PR agency for it. Um, and so it's, it's challenging, um, but it's also super rewarding. I'd like to ask you um, more about how, how did you find people that would be on your mission? Because, you know, I'm going through some hiring right now where, where it's challenging. You get a lot of people that just want a job, right? So, so what are some things that you look for to make sure that the person that you do hire, that you do invest in will be on your mission on the same page as your mission? Um, I think that the way that I interview is very unorthodox the way that I interview people is very in a, in a relaxed setting. And I ask them like, well, what do you want to be doing with your life? What, is you, what are your goals? What are your missions? Because most interviews are about the company and not about the person working for the company. So if I get to know the person better and what their goals are, I can see 
does this align with my goals or does it not? It's almost like a relationship. You know, if you are getting into a relationship or a marriage and your goals don't align, it's not going to work out. So I ask more about the individual and their purposes, their goals, and then I can see if that aligns with mine. Of course, I look at their personality traits. Um, we also do personality testing. Um, we have a program that does it that, that we subscribe to. Um, but I really try to find people that have the teamy personality, which I wrote a policy about, internal policy in my company. They have to have these characteristics in order to work here. So for example, people that are like Debbie Downers can't really work at my company because it brings the whole team down. And we're a very like high energy hustle type of team. And if I see those types of characteristics in, in the interview, I won't hire them no matter what experience they have. It, it just sets off a red flag for me. Nobody likes a Debbie Downer to be around Debbie Downer. <laughs> no, and, and I can tell, like, I, you know, people are usually nervous when they come in for an interview, but I can, I can just read their energy yeah. and I can say, are they going to vibe with this department or not? Yeah. And um, I think that we've done a, a pretty good job at hiring like-minded individuals that work well in teams. So, so I have actually a question um, regarding the influencers. Like, I think a lot of people, a lot of our listeners also um, see it as a big challenge, let's say, to approach and connect, let's say, with influencers so they, they, they stand behind uh, their brand or, or would sell or promote uh, a product or a brand like how, how did you do that like w from your practice and you have a team of 16 people who are doing that on a on a on a, on a regular basis like uh, what are the best practices that you have learned from that yeah it, this actually makes me laugh because i don't understand why people are nervous about approaching influencers because influencers want to be approached so you just you DM them and you usually influencers will have their email address in their bio. So if you have a product that you think this influencer should promote or should get behind or you want them to use this product, you just need to reach out to them. And the amount of time that you spend not reaching out to them and thinking about reaching out to them is not productive. You just need to reach out to influencers in a very massive volume. If you reach out to five influencers per day, you're going to get, you know, 1% of that back. So you're not really going to get anywhere. You, you need to be reaching out to hundreds of influencers every day, every week in order to really see any type of response. And again, the best thing is to be genuine. Hi, my name is so-and-so. This is my brand. Here's what we do. I would love to send you some of these samples. Is that something that you would be interested in? And if they don't answer, you follow up. And some people will just not answer and some people will not be interested. And some people will. That's why you have to do massive volume of outreach in order to get that type of response back. And like, do you send a personalized message for each, per for each influencer or just mass mail with a standard email? No, it's every, every communication is personal. Okay. It's just really okay, important so. because if you're trying to build a personal relationship with this influencer, how are you going to do that with a robot email? No, but like, like, I mean, do, do you first check them out and tell them, look, I've, so, I've seen you there and there. 
and uh, this is my product and you, you, like how far do you go with personalized email I usually we have like something that we want to say so we might have like a template uh, where we talk about what what is teeny blends maybe that's a template but let's say I'm reaching out to a beauty influencer let's just say I would mm -hmm. say you know let's say her name was Samantha hi Samantha my name is Adi Arizini. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Teeny Blends. I love your videos on eyeshadow. I've watched the last five, and you are so talented at making purple eyeshadow looks. I, I wanted to reach out to you because of this and this reason, and then you tell them about what you wanted to reach out to them about. But I think that it's really funny. I get all these template emails from like mass emails from all these companies. Hey, Adi, I, I, I was scrolling through my Instagram feed and I saw you like, that is so not genuine. Or yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I found Timmy on a list on Inc. 500 and I wanted to reach out to you. Like not, none of that type of communication makes me want to read the email because it's not real. It's just, you're trying to be real by saying that you saw them in this area. Yeah. But you're actually yes. not being real with them at all because you didn't take any time to look at their profile. So yes, true. we actually true, true, take true. time to connect with the person and be like, wow, I love your recipe on celery juice that you posted last Wednesday. You actually have yes. to connect with the person and you can't connect with someone in a fake way. No, 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 no. And, and, and would you advise, let's say, our audience to use uh, like... Uh, middlemen's or middle websites like influencers.com or .com or or just go straight to 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 the to the influencers yourself i personally always advise going directly to the influencer because every time there's a middleman in any situation you're paying more fees and if you're a, a new entrepreneur you probably don't have that much marketing budget so you're going to save money by doing it yourself but it's going to take longer amounts of time because you're doing it yourself. So in my business, I didn't have any money. So the true, only true. option that I had was to do it myself. And I was more than willing to buckle up and do the hard work. People that want to find agencies, they just want someone to do the work for them, which is fine. If you have a big company and you can afford to do that, do it. But I, I was not in that scenario which allowed me to get firsthand knowledge and experience on influencers so that I couldn't be duped by an agency. And, and write the, the SOPs for, for your colleagues. Exactly. You contacted yourself as, a, as the founder of that company. You never, you, never, you never let someone else. It was always in, under your name because they took you more serious or after a while didn't matter anymore. No, now it's under all the all the all the influencer managers. It's all under their own names. They're they're creating those relationships themselves. When I was okay, wow. doing when I was doing it myself, then I was the only one that worked in the company. So of course it was coming from me. But okay, okay. if you know a girl named Ashley works as an influencer manager, it's coming from Ashley. Awesome! Thank you. Amazing. Yeah, and and speaking of influencers, you guys have done an amazing job becoming influencers. Um, while building this business and now you guys have uh, almost a million f followers on Instagram and that is huge because I know what it took like I got a, a, a friend and a client on 
a reality show and we took his Instagram following basically from like 5,000 to 100,000, 115,000. Uh, but you guys have a million, like how in the world did you guys like, can you tell us the process of growing that Instagram following? Back in the day, this is like five and a half years ago, Instagram was very different than it is today. The algorithm was different. But when I first started, I did try a lot of these automated growth tools. I tried to do all the tricks that were, you know, people don't do them as, as much anymore. I never bought yeah. followers, but there was always like um, shout out pages that you could pay, for example, $10 for like a follow for follow. Um, and there was ways to grow pages that was not buying followers that was more quote unquote organic. Okay. But by doing that, I got a bunch of followers that weren't actually interested in my products, which then negatively affected me because I had followers that weren't engaged on my page. So even, so people want to see that big number, but it's actually weird if you see it, that big number and there's like no one commenting on the post. So I was like, wait a second, this is going to negatively affect me if I don't turn this around. So after about a year of going my page in any way possible that I could, I started doing it more organically. So first thing is when you're working with influencers at a massive scale, you're going to get more followers because someone else is talking about your page, which leads them to go to your page. So just the, just the, amount of promotion that I'm doing got people to follow us. And because we take influencer marketing so seriously and we work with over 1,500 influencers every single month, that growth happens on its own now because people are directing traffic to my Instagram page, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 perfectly. Um, The other thing that we do is we run a monthly giveaway. Usually it's like a detox program, and a Tumblr, and they get maybe an iPad, or we'll do some sort of giveaway that's really fun, something that people want to share. And when people go to that link to enter the giveaway, the rules are follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, uh, follow, you know, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we started doing that maybe two years ago. And by doing that, obviously, this the growth is in comparison to the amount of followers I already had, but we see around a 30,000 follower increase every single month from this giveaway that we do because we have customers that actually don't follow us on Instagram. And so we'll send it out even through an email and people will then start following us. You just have to ask people to follow you and give them something in return. So our way of doing that was through a giveaway. So now we do one every single month. We post about it once a week and we see that it has really increased our followers um, consistently and not just getting a spike here and there. So you mentioned you're working on a monthly basis with 1,500 influencers. What are some of the the types of partnerships that you create um, with these influencers? And then in, and in the second part of this question is how do you balance all of that? I mean, I'm sure your team is, is doing a really good job at it, but um, so, so some of the partnerships you create with them and then the uh, balancing act of maintaining all those partnerships? Yeah. So we, we have two, two sectors in our influencer management team. We have one that's based off of um, getting commission on their sales and the other one that is based off of paid promotion. So 
we have anyone that is between 5,000 followers to let's say 80,000 followers might fit into getting free product and earning commission on their sales team. And they have a certain protocol over there that how they get the person to post about the product and how we get the best response. Um, we have the same thing in our paid promotion team, which is maybe they're working with someone with 500,000 followers and they want uh, compensation in order to get them to make a YouTube video for us. So we have a system of, of steps that we look at to see if we think an influencer is going to generate interest or sales for our products or not. And sometimes we lose a bunch of money and sometimes we hit, we, we strike gold, but we have a very set standard operating procedure for these managers on what they're supposed to do to continue to close new influencers to promote our products while getting the influencers that we already have to continue to be excited about our brand. Do you also get like um, the other way? Round that you get requested for uh, that you become the influencer. Do you mean me personally or my brand? Like your brand. Um. Yes, but more. I would say that people are reaching out like, "Hey, I want to be an influencer for your brand," and we'll vet them and we'll see if they fit or not. Um. But mm. that's usually what we get. And and do you is there like do you have a filter for uh, process for that? Yeah, we have different um, characteristics that we look for as what type of posts are they doing? Do they align with our mission? Um, what kind of engagement do they have? So there's a lot of different things that we look at before deciding to partner with someone. I, I remember you, you said something also about like when you're an entrepreneur on that level that you're working now at, you have also a kind of social responsibility within like your team, within your family that's working with you for the brand. Like and a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially when they are starting, they, they underestimate the amount of energy, time and, and dedication that goes into mentoring, let's say, your people and giving them. Can you, can you share something about that with us? Yeah, I think that at least 50% of what I do goes to mentoring and teaching my staff, which is an incredible amount, uh, an incredible percentage. Wow. But wow. if 50%. I read, at least yesterday was 100%. That's all I did all day yesterday. Wow. <laughs> so and is, is that because of the industry or, or, or because of your, no, your... That's because of my leadership style. So everybody has a different leadership style. There are some people that are like, no, I don't, I don't want to be involved. I, everyone can just do their thing. I'm just a very involved uh, CEO. And I, if, if I want Timmy to grow and grow and grow, I can't do it on my own. I have to rely on my managers, on my executives. But how can I rely on them if they don't know what they're doing? I need them to be miniature versions of myself and be better than me, which is difficult because I invented the company and I invented all of the operating procedures. However, if I don't flow them power and strength, then I'm going to be tying myself down for the rest of my life and being cracked out on stress all the time. Mm -hmm. So the more that I empower them, and it takes years, you guys, this is no joke. Like 
it takes at least one to two years for someone to really feel comfortable and confident in what they're doing. Until about six months to a year, the person is kind of guessing. The, new, the, the, the manager, the person, they're just trying to get their bearings. You know, they're not confident. They're new to whatever role that they're doing. So I give a lot of feedback. I put them in meetings. I have them watch me, watch me, watch what I'm doing. And then after like a phone call or a meeting, I will say, well, did you see why I asked this question? And did you see why I did this? Like a lot of my time goes to that. But again, that's my personal leadership style. So yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. different on it. And, and, and you are like their mentor. Right. You're mentoring, mentoring them, which is, which is amazing. Uh, I think a lot of CEOs can learn from that. Um, do you have yourself mentors that you learn from to apply it in your company or just you just read books or do you go to courses? Or? Definitely. I mean, I, I definitely uh, do courses and read books, but I have, I would say, uh, two mentors that I go to. Um, one is actually the CEO and founder of the postcard company that I worked for when I was 19 years old before I joined the military. When oh, wow. I came back and started my business, I literally reached out to her. Uh, her name's Joy. And I was like, Joy, I'm starting a business. You don't know me. You have a 200 person company, but I worked for you when I was 19. Can I ask you some questions? And she was like, sure. And like, I just came to her office where I used to work like four years prior and I started a relationship with her. And she has a 200-person company that's been around for 20 years. Everything that I'm going through, I can, I can bounce it off of her. So I send her an email whenever I need it. I, send, I call her, I text her, and, and I get her advice a lot when I feel like I need it. That's great. I, I, I use a strategy of uh, asking people to lunch on me to get these amazing entrepreneurs and uh, get them, you know, to sit down with them and talk, talk with them and pick their minds. Like it's a brilliant strategy. Um, one thing that, uh, uh, that you mentioned actually, I think before the podcast started is, uh, you wanted to talk about what Noah was asking, um, about the day-to-day -day activities and maintaining all these activities. But you mentioned that, um, I think in your meetings yesterday, three people cried and I, I wanted to chat about that because I'm sure it's not like, it's not like, um, you know, the, the mean old boss going in and screaming at people and making the interns cry. I'm sure it's because, you know, you guys are running an amazing business and these, these employees are going through breakthroughs. I, that would be my guess. But I wanted to ask you, you know, what's happening in that process, Adi, when, when you're having these meetings and these emotions come up for people that really t jerk tears out? Yeah. So basically, there's a, a department in my company that, um, was like a camouflaged hole where I didn't really know what was going on in there. And then it looked like they were doing well. But as I dug into it, I realized that there were five employees doing the work of two employees. So mm. I was like, uh Oh, this needs to be resolved. And so when I ended up shifting a lot of things in the company, and so those employees were feeling very unstable where am I going? Do I have a job? Am I, you know, am I in trouble? So the feeling, that feeling of instability for a team member uh, can affect them emotionally 
very hard if, if everything is changing in their department. Yeah. And, and that's what ended up happening is like everything that used to be for the last three years in a department within two weeks completely changed like 360, like or 180, you would say, um, changed completely. And um, so it's just dealing with their emotions and really listening to them and asking them a ton of questions. You know, I'm not like, why are they so emotional? I'm like, hey, what's going on? I, I can sense when my team is stressed out. So yeah. I'll pull someone in and be like, listen, what's going on? And they might be having personal issues at home. They might be really upset about the changes that are happening with the company. And if that is the case, I have to explain to them why these changes are good for the brand and why they're good for the, that person personally to get them back on the purpose of like, here's what we're doing. This is our passion. This is our purpose. And by changing this department to make it more effective and optimized, we're going to be able to achieve that purpose better. And sometimes these conversations take 40 to 50 minutes to just let the person get all their emotions out and ask them questions. I feel like I'm usually like a detective when I go into these conversations. I really want to understand what the person is upset about. And it takes, like, people don't want to talk about their feelings. So it, you have to, like, pull it out of them. Yeah. And I just have to fish for, for them. And I'm like, well, what's happening? And, and, they'll, and, and they'll tell me. But it takes time to get all that information out. And it's important to me that I take that time with my team because I couldn't do this without them. So neglecting their emotions or neglecting the fact that I'm seeing they, they're kind of stressed out isn't, isn't good for the brand. It's not good for the company. It's not good for that team member. So I just take a, as much personal attention as I have. It's not an everyday thing, but if I feel like something's going on with someone, I'll pull them in. Where would you draw the line on that too? Because, you know, I think it's really important. Some, um, some of the most amazing people that I've interviewed and companies that I've chatted with are companies that really give their employees platforms to share their emotions and their dreams and their problems and their challenges. So, so, so where, where, and you mentioned earlier, I think like reading a person's body language and their psyche and their energy, where, where would you draw the line? Like, okay, this person is too emotional or this person like they're bringing their baggage to work all the time and where would you where would the line be for you Adi? yeah i mean people that i always look at their productivity like is this a productive person or are they just like bring like you said bringing their baggage to work i don't need that on my team so i don't if i see that that's happening the person just doesn't make it in my company like they're they'll just be gone um, but if there is someone that has a track record of, of being a hard worker and being dedicated, they might be going through a rough patch and I listen to them and I acknowledge what's happening and I see if there's anything that I can do to help them. Even one time, one of my employees, I bought her a massage. It's like, you need to get a massage girl. So That's great. like, yeah. but if somebody has evil intentions or is lazy or is dr creating drama for no reason, I have no time for that. So I try to handle the situation. If I see that after multiple times of attempting to handle it with the person, that it's not resolving, they usually don't make it. 
it's it you know being emotional because you're unstable at your work or you don't know what's happening in your in your department is very different than someone who comes in every day and creates gossip and drama within the company because that's just part of their personality and sometimes it takes us a few months to realize hey this person is just creating drama and they don't make it but if the person is a good person and is a hard worker and is going through a tough time personally or or, or professionally I'm going to try to um, help that person. No, I wanted to know, like, uh, how, how do you see, let's say, the, the industry? I mean, you're seeing a lot of changes and you're in the middle of it, like a spider in the web of, of uh, the natural health industry. How, how do you see where, which direction it's going? I think that the direction is going toward more awareness, toward holistic um, and natural solutions for the body and for beauty. And I see more people being aware of it and uh, wanting to try it for themselves. Ten years ago, um, vegans, vegetarians, um, these types of lifestyles were so um, ridiculed and criticized as, you know, everyone knew that if you were vegan, you're not going to have enough protein in your body. That's completely changed. And I I think that a lot of that has changed through social media too, because people that are eating healthy are posting their foods and they look good where someone might not even have known what that food looked like before. So people sharing their, their healthy lifestyles, I think, inspires others to to make new choices or to try out new things where they may not have even been aware of it before why i love social sharing so much is that is is that reason so that's where i see the trend going and the more companies out there that provide true clean plant-based products the better i don't find it like it's like it's not competitive like and the more brands out there that are helping others live a happier, healthier lifestyle, the better. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Um, just one thing to wrap up. If you were going to give a, a, a message to the influencers out there, one last final paragraph or two, what would you tell them regarding what you've learned about influence and the people you've worked with with influence? What would you say? I would say... Um, really look at you're actually being influential. People are using the word influencer and all you really think about is someone that has a pretty profile and has lots of followers. But are you really influencing someone to change their perspective on something or to learn about something or to change their mindset? Because that's what, that's what is actually influential. Are you providing information that people need and want in their lives? Um, and, you know, there, there's different types of people. I guess I'm just more, more of a simple kind of gal that likes to keep things real and genuine. So if you're posting a picture and you're wearing, you know, really expensive clothes, are you really influencing someone in some way or are you just showing what you have? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, I just yeah. like to, to provide value and to have, have a purpose behind what you're doing. Don't chase followers and you know, this type of influencer fame, do it because you really have a purpose and you really want to help people in fashion and beauty and health and business and whatever it is that you're really passionate about. Just make sure that that's always at the forefront of your mind. Yeah. Makes sense. 
Adi, we're going to wrap up there. And I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your tips and tricks and all your wisdom. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they could do that at? Yeah, they can always um, follow our brand on Instagram, which is at Teamy Blends, which is spelled T-E-A-M-I-B-L-E-N-D-S. And if they want to follow me personally, my Instagram is at Adi which is at A-D-I-A-R-E-Z-Z-I-N-I. Perfect. Excellent. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, I think we're going to wrap up there. We'll say listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.